Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Today, we are going to talk about problem solving 101. Problem solving. It is perhaps the skill that gets compensated the most. That's also part skill, part mindset. It requires an attitude of the mind and then an aptitude in skill. Problem solving. I didn't know much about real estate when I got into the real estate business but I became a problem solver. I solved people's problems, and because of that, it set up the opportunity for me to generate referrals and grow my business. When other people talked about the market, when I first got in the real estate business, people were talking about there was a downturn in the market. And when I got into the industry, all I found were all my peers talking about the market was bad, the conditions were bad, the economy was bad. And when I got into the business, right off the bat, I was mentored by the great Gene Kuhlman, who was a problem solver, a master problem solver. And we brought creative solutions to problems. And because of that, we were able to sell a lot of real estate. And because we solved people's problems, we didn't just get compensated, we got something more important. We became their trusted advisors. You solve somebody's problem in a difficult time. Then they come to you and they trust you. And then they told their friends. And it set up an opportunity for me to then unleash what became the referral system. And so because of that, I was, many cases, earning 20 to 30 times that of my peers because I was a problem solver. A problem, by its very definition, is a matter or situation regarded as unwelcome or could be harmful and needing to be dealt with or overcome. So we're going to get into some problem solving 101 and look at this a little bit differently so that you can understand that in honing your skills, of problem solving, and enhancing your mindset towards problem solving, you can be so much more effective and successful, especially in the marketplace. So we're going to talk about new day, same old problem. Many times we face the same problems over and over again. It's just different day. We're going to talk about the value of problem solving and how that shows up, and then ultimately how to be a problem solver. So let's dive right in to the new day, same old problem. I'm reminded of a book I read years ago that uh, really was helpful for me. It's called U Squared, and it's written by a fellow by the name of Price Pritchard. And he starts off this book, and it's a small little book, very inexpensive, U Squared. I recommend it to everybody, all about how to make a quantum leap in your business and life. So Price was telling a story in the intro to the book, how he was speaking up in the Pacific Northwest, and he was in kind of a lodge. and. Sure enough, like many of us experienced on a summer day, a big old fly gets into the room and the fly is buzzing around, kind of bugging him a little bit. And then he hears the fly buzzing against the window, which, by the way, when a fly is trying to get out the window, it bangs its head and the buzzing sound is the wings hitting the window. So think about it. It's basically crashing with his head into the window on the flight. You know, you ever banging your head against a brick wall? which is what a lot of people experience with problems. So what does Price do? What a lot of it would do. He opens up the door, and the door was three to four feet away from the window 
where that fly was banging its head. He ends up taking a little nap, and when he woke up, the fly was dead in the rail of the window. And we've all seen this. The solution to freedom was three feet away to the right. The fly was determined. The fly had all commitment, such a commitment, he died trying to get freedom. But the same old thinking wasn't getting him anywhere new. And so banging your head against the wall, banging your head against the wall, banging your head against the window, trying to get freedom, trying to get freedom, trying to get freedom. And then here's the rail, you wake up in the morning. Problem not solved. And U squared is all about exponential thinking and thinking outside the box, literally. So we get into that mode all the time. And where do we go? We just simply don't know what to do, just like the fly. We tend to get overwhelmed. And then we get analysis paralysis. And so this is where we really get stuck in problem solving. So let's talk about it. We don't know what to do. We get this problem. There can be a frustration or there can be an avoidance. So the frustration is I'm trying to solve this problem. I'm doing it through effort. The fly is trying to solve its problem through effort. Or avoidance. Okay, I'm not making any progress. I'm not seeing any success. I don't like dealing with that. So now I just check out. But we know the problem didn't just get away. Henry Ford said most people spend more time and energy going around problems than in trying to solve them. Elizabeth Elliot said, when you don't know what to do, do the thing in front of you. You know, for years, both my real estate company and then with Buffini and Company, the coaching organization, I always trained our client care and our sales staff that when a very difficult request came in or somebody was stuck or somebody was asking for something out of the ordinary, don't go, oh, we don't do that. We don't have that. Sorry, I can't help you. I mean, that's just the worst. And that's what we all get today in some kind of customer service. But the old phrase, let me see what I can do. Let me see what I can do. Sometimes coupled with, well, I'll do my best. You know, those two phrases are mind shift changers for both parties. Number one, the person who's asking, I've got this problem. I'm asking for help. Let me see what I can do means I'm going to think about it and I'm going to try to solve your problem. Followed by, I'll do my best. Well, a reasonable person, that's all they can ask for. Oh, by the way, are there unreasonable people? Of course there is. So let me see what I can do. Now, for me, as the problem solver, when I said to somebody, let me see what I can do, and I'll do my best, it caused an accountability for me to be a man of my word. So I did see what I could do, and I actually thought about solving the problem. And then I'll do my best. I gave it my best efforts. And there was times when somebody asked me for something that I thought, there's no way that's going to work, or there's no way that's going to happen. But I put my thinking cap on, reapproached it in a different way than I did the first time, and amazing enough, here comes the solution. And you find that solution, let me tell you, that's how you get customers for life, doing stuff like that. You know, oftentimes as a parent, I know my kids have heard all the speeches, you know? They, they've heard it all. And they know what's coming before I start. They know what mom's going to say before we start. What often changes the game a little bit is when I ask a couple of questions and I give a different response than expected and say, well, you know what? I don't know what the answer is to that. Let me think about it. And then we go back. We have a far more meaningful conversation. It's very valuable. So first of all, we don't know what to do. Second, it can often feel too complex. And what's the response to that? We get overwhelmed. Desmond Tutu said, do your little bit of good where you are. It is those little bits of good put all together 
that can actually overwhelm the world. So now you overwhelm the problem instead of the problem overwhelming you. So it happens all the time. Sometimes there's just too many tabs open on the computer. Sometimes there's too many tabs open on the brain. So sometimes we just need to call a little time out, break it down into little bits like Desmond Tutu said, think about each little bit separately, and the next thing you know, we can come up with a complete solution. And then lastly, and what I see a lot of is uh, we get analysis paralysis where we're overthinking about it. There's just too many options, too many choices, and don't know what to do. Oh, by the way, in the service industries, people who provide too many options tend to confuse and overwhelm their customers. As opposed to, hey, here's a couple of choices. I think these are the best. A, B, sometimes C, but usually, you know, and then if it were me, here's what I would do. And here's why. That's what people want of a professional. As we're trying to help people, as opposed to here's the 52 solutions. I have no idea what to do. I'm already overwhelmed. I'm already in a stressful situation. And now you gave me too many options, too many choices. In fact, uh, the human brain can only consume so much information before becoming overloaded. In uh, 1956, psychologist George Miller found that people can only handle seven chunks of information at a time. And I would say that's probably shrunk a little bit since 1956. In 2004, psychologist Barry Schwartz introduced the paradox of choice, where having more options to choose from actually increases our anxiety and interferes with our ability to make decisions as consumers. Similarly, when people are inundated with too much data, they become stuck and unsure of how to move forward, even before any analysis is performed. So now let me kind of explain this on a, on a human level. I love to go down rabbit trails. I do. I like to explore all the options. When I make a decision, the decisions I have a tendency to make have a lot of zeros behind it. When I make decisions today, there's a lot of livelihoods behind it. When I make decisions today, it has sometimes consequences for an entire industry. So I really want to know that I'm making good decisions. And so I have a tendency, and I run down all these different rabbit trails. Now, what I've had to learn through unfortunately hard knocks, is I don't share all those rabbit trails with everybody. In fact, today, I don't share those rabbit trails with anybody. I may come back to my trusted advisors or my synergy partners and come up with, okay, here's the two or three things I found best. But I don't mention the seven, eight, or nine things I went down because it just overwhelms everybody. So that's where my style and in my real strengths, I have the detective attribute. So I love to go and research and find out and unleash Columbo. What about this? And what about that? And what about this? That's my wiring. That's not everybody's wiring. Most people are already overwhelmed. And when you come with all the different permutations, it leads to anxiety and stress. So now I'll go, okay, here's the one, two, at most three options we could take. When I'm talking with Beverly, Beverly can handle an awful lot of stuff. When it gets down to the financial decisions, those kinds of decisions, I boil it down to one or two things. If I get past two, she's just like, enough already. I'm done. It's too much for me to take in. And she's able to handle tons of stuff in her own giftedness. So that's where I find I have to break things down. Bruce Lee said, if you spend too much time thinking about a thing, you'll never get it done. So at some point in time, we have to launch into action. And then Robert Herjavec from uh, Shark Tank says, thinking too much leads to paralysis by analysis. It is important to think things through, but many use thinking as a means of avoiding action. I love that. 
Many use thinking as a means to avoiding action. I don't. I use it as a means to really go after it because once I make a decision, I never look back. Lot's wife does not exist with me. I am never turning into a pillar of salt. When I make a decision, I'm all in, but that's because I've looked down so many different trails. That might not be for everybody. Do your thinking, do your analysis, don't get paralyzed by it. So we know what the new day, same old problem is. Now let's talk about the value of problem solving. This first one is going to maybe challenge you a little bit. And that is, it unleashes your creativity. Many people don't realize, and I didn't for a long time, that creativity and problem solving are the same thing. Now, I grew up in a old Christian brother school in, in Ireland, and I had a teacher that told me, Buffini, you are not a very creative person. And that is because my handwriting wasn't good. And my definition as a person was framed by this very certain teacher, and we've all had this experience, who defined me as an uncreative person because I was not able to draw very well. I don't have much of an artist in me, and my handwriting wasn't too pretty. And I believed that for years. Now, what's interesting today is my whole life is creativity. Everything I do, I create content. I don't just show up here and start blabbing. You know, we create content. I create training programs. I create events. I create experiences that people pay thousands and thousands of dollars in wait and waiting lists to go to our events where there's all this creativity. But I didn't understand this until I had a very, very top-notch client who was a psychologist at USD in San Diego. And they said, Brian, you are very, very creative. And I'm like, what? And they were talking about my problem-solving ability. And I didn't understand what they were talking about. But here's an actual definition of creativity by Mr. Webster. Creativity is defined as the tendency to generate or recognize ideas, alternatives, or possibilities that may be useful in solving problems. Now, that was a major aha for me in my life. And maybe you're someone who's been told you're not creative. Or maybe you're very artistic and you've got that side of it, but you haven't really been able to transform that or thought, no, I'm very artsy but I'm not good at the problem solving. It's the same thing. Creativity has its most powerful expression, believe it or not, in the ability to solve a problem, even in the arts. So we have to understand that this is how we unleash ourselves is through our creativity. That's what problem solving is. That's why when you run into monolithic cultures in organizations that have the same standard response, here comes a problem. No, that's not what we do. That's not how we do it. That's not where it is. Press seven, press six, press five for your problem. No, I need somebody who's going to be a little creative because my problem is not on this menu of seven things. I need to talk to a human being who can think. And in the world we live in today, so many people are paid not to think. And so that's where you really win people over. You win them in life, you win them in business. When you will say, hey, I'm going to give a little bit of myself to you here in the form of my creativity. The great Chuck Swindoll said, we are all faced with a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. Fabulous stuff. So we need to unleash our creativity. And that's really where problem solving's value increases your value. Next, it builds confidence. Solving problems gives you confidence. It also builds your momentum. 
So it gives you confidence. Hang on a second here. There was a problem here, and I solved it. I, I solved it for myself. I solved it for somebody else. And that's now, that's hidden in your heart. You get to take on that. You get to own that, and you get to build from that. And what comes from that is momentum. And momentum is one of the most powerful factors in the world, one of the most powerful factors in business. I'm going to do a podcast on it here in the near term. Momentum is a big deal. Darren Hardy said momentum is without doubt one of the most powerful and enigmatic forces of success. Joe Rogan, who has obviously killed it in the podcast world and other places, said build confidence and momentum with each good decision you make from here on out. The Irish blessing at the end from my mom, may the wind always be at your back. When the wind's at your back, it's just you got this flow. You're making great progress. You know, imagine you're pedaling a bicycle downwind. Each pedal push you take, you go further than when you're into the wind. And so problem solving, not only is it an expression for your creativity, but it gives you this confidence and it gives you this momentum. And now you're going. May the wind always be at your back. And then lastly, it's a highly valued skill in the marketplace. Recently, I've had a chance to interview some people. I'm working on some business ventures. I've been interviewing some folks, and I ask very subtle questions. And ultimately, I'm always trying to find if people are problem solvers and if that's something in their wheelhouse, because we're going to encounter problems. In fact, the reason I'm hiring them is to solve some problems for me. That's the only reason you'd hire somebody. I got a problem in this area. I need someone who's competent, and I want them to solve the problem for me. When people give you the defensive, protective, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, that's just broken. I don't want to hear it's broken. I want to hear you know, okay, it's not working, but we could try this and we could try this and we could try this. So you have to be a problem solver. And so it's a very, very valuable skill in the marketplace. Here's an article in Career Builder. It said, problem solving is a universal job skill that applies to any position in every industry. While everyone is tasked with some form of problem solving in their workplace, not all employees are good at it. No doubt about it. Jim Rohn used to say it this way, you don't get paid for the hour. You get paid for the value you bring to the hour, especially when it comes to problem solving. Howard Gardner, he's a psychologist, said, intelligence is the ability to find and solve problems and create products of value in one's own culture. It's all there. You know, I've always said you can't solve a problem until you're asking the right questions. You've got to ask the right questions to solve the problems. Albert Einstein said, the thinking that got us where we are is not the thinking that'll get us to where we want to be. That's all the time. So you never get to have these muscles retired. You know, long after your physical strength is not what it used to be, your problem solving can be at an all-time high. You can be at your peak later in life because of your ability to solve problems. Very, very powerful. And it's understanding, here's the opportunity when you solve it, here's the problem when you don't. Sometimes we never count the cost of what if I don't solve the problem. You know, when Lou Tice first introduced me to the concept of goal setting in a way that Lou Tice set, which is write it in the first person, singular, write it like it's already happened. So you pick a date out in the future and you write your goals out as if you're describing it to your best friend and it's already happened. And you write these powerful goals that really connect you emotionally. And then he would say, now what's the cost of non-completion? So you have this powerful goal that's going to change your life what if you don't do it? What if you don't solve this problem? When I wrote goals that way for myself, it caused me to take action in a way I never had before. When I thought of the, the life I wanted to live and things I wanted to do, and what if I didn't, 
once I was able to fully grasp what that looked like, I sprung into action. So sometimes we have to understand there's a cost to not solving the problem as well. So we've covered, right, the new day, same old problem where we're stuck. We've covered the value of problem solving. And now what I want to share with you is how to be a problem solver. It's really key. To do this, there's three elements to it. I'll break it down. You want to define the problem. You want to create a roadmap to the solution. And then you want to implement the solution. And then implement it. We've got to be doers, okay, not just thinkers. So we have to define the problem. You cannot solve a problem that you don't define. So sometimes this happens, for example, in sales. The problem is someone will give you an objection. And they'll give you an objection. You have to ask a lot of other questions around an objection because a lot of times an objection is simply a smokescreen. It's not the real problem. A lot of times it's the fear or it's the acceptable fear. So as a salesperson, people would say to me all the time, well, you know, I don't want to buy right now because we're just afraid we're paying too much for the house. Okay. And I'd ask, well, let me ask you this. Okay, let's talk about this. Where do you think the value of this home is? Where do you think uh, you're overpaying for it? If it was appraised, where do you think it would appraise that? And you'd have this logical conversation to an emotional statement. And the next thing you know, it wasn't the problem at all. It really is. I'm afraid of making a move. I'm out of my comfort zone. And so you'd keep digging, you keep digging, you keep asking the questions so you can find it. And so you can't solve a problem you don't define. So sometimes you have to ask yourself all kinds of questions. Steve Jobs says, if you define the problem correctly, you almost have the solution. And that's the truth. I used to ask my customers in real estate, what's your biggest fear or concern about the upcoming transaction? And they would oftentimes give me a roadmap of how to serve them by telling me what they didn't want as much as what they did. Albert Einstein again said, if I were given one hour to save the world, I would spend 59 minutes defining the problem and one minute solving it. Okay, fair enough. The next dynamic we have to do is create a roadmap to the solution. If you ever get a chance, I'd encourage you to listen to the interview I did many, many moons ago with Neil Armstrong. We made it an episode in the podcast. I think it's episode 164. Phenomenal. And I asked him a question. I said, you know, how, how were you guys able to pull this together? You know, there was so many people, all the different branches of government, all these independent corporations, for-profit businesses. You know, we're going to put a man on the moon, bring him safely to earth by the end of the decade. And he talked about how they defined the problem, how they came up with the solutions, and how they were then able to work together to do one of the most fabulous things ever done in human history while the whole world watched them. How do we get the rocket in the air? How do we land on the moon? And how do we get back safely, right? There was three problems to solve. And he goes into that and how they did it. Ziegler said a goal properly set is halfway reached. Okay? So that's what they did. When Kennedy set the goal, he kind of laid out the solutions for them that they then had to break down into small pieces. Ed Vistrius said the summit is just a halfway point. Very, very important. He's a great high-altitude mountaineer. And you think about it, it's like everybody talks about climbing the summit and everybody's getting to the mountaintop and all these. I had a mountaintop experience. And you think, oh, hang on a second. He's right. Getting to the summit, that's only halfway. The key is to get home. The key is to get back. In fact, it says most of the people who die climbing Mount Everest every year, they die on the way home. They put all their effort into getting to the top and they didn't plan the way back, you know? Lastly, You want to implement the solution. You want to be an implementer. Don't just be a talker. Be a doer. Doer is where it's at. And I'll be candid with you. One thing I ask you as an audience of me is always hold me accountable 
that I've done the things that I'm telling you to do. But I would encourage you to make that accountability of everybody. When you read a book, make sure you do your homework on that person. Today, there are so many talkers and so few doers. As a person who's trying to book guests on our show, as a person who's trying to book people to speak at our seminal events, I'm looking for doers. I'm looking for doers. Our next year's Mastermind event, we're going to have Apollo Ono. Okay, here's a guy that the most decorated winter Olympian in American history. He's a doer. What did it take to get there? How did he work out? How did he overcome injury? How did he overcome setbacks? He's in speed skating where they fall all the time. And he did many times, including in big competitions, including in the Olympic Games. He's a doer. When we have Captain Plum, you know, here is a man that was years and years and years in a Vietnam prisoner war camp. How did he come out of it victorious with his marbles intact, with his attitude intact, and go on to become a productive member of society and a successful person? That's why we're having him at our mastermind. And Ben Nempton, who I've had on this podcast, he put the do in bucket list, okay? He just went after it, how to put a bucket list together, how to get after it, and how to make it happen and make it happen and make it happen. I always want to bring people to the marketplace that are doers. And I'm challenging you to be a doer, not just be sitting here listening to podcasts or it's on your walk or your commute or whatever else, but to be a doer, to be a doer, to get in the game, do the things. And so we want to implement the solutions. And once you have a good solution, it's no good unless you implement it. George Patton said, a bad plan violently implemented is better than the perfect plan never started. And that's what we have to do. So Wilbur Ross said, it is important to have a sound idea, but the really important thing is the implementation. Aldrich Cleaver said, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. Not only be part of the solution, be the solution. Be the solution. And people will come to count on you for being a solution for them, for being a solution for their problems. Your family, your friends, your customers, your business, and most importantly, yourself. And when you come to trust yourself as being your own problem solver, you will have that faith in yourself. And all of a sudden, you will, when you go then to stretch outside your comfort zone, to go pursue that next level goal, you have a deeper sense of trust and less sense of doubt of yourself. Well, that's what I have for you today. Problem solving wool on one. I hope it's been helpful for you. I hope we've broken through the new day, same old problem. I hope we've challenged you on why to be a problem solver and ultimately how to go about being a problem solver yourself. And so a person who solves a lot of problems for me is the great Therese Buffini, and she's going to send us on our way today. Thanks for joining me. Send me your feedback. If you want to hear more of this stuff, give me your ideas on what you'd like to hear, who you'd like to hear us interview. We'd like to help you live a good life. And whatever we can do to do that for you and serve you, we're here for you. want to solve your problems. So take it away, Therese. God bless. We'll see you next time. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. Oh, 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 oh,